0: The Permission to Succeed podcast is brought to you by Thompson IM Funds, Inc. For more information about Thompson IM Funds, please visit thompsonim.com. Thompson IM Funds, smart investing starts here. Hello, and welcome to the Permission to Succeed podcast. This is your host, Doug Heikinen. The Permission to Succeed podcast is about learning from and being inspired by people who found that point in their lives to throw all caution aside and just go for it. The genesis of this podcast is based on the great appreciation for the lives of Muhammad Ali and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and their world-changing impact, and my co-worker Sarah and I just visited the Muhammad Ali Museum as we're here in Louisville today, and it's just fabulous. So if you're ever in Louisville, check it out. The Permission to Succeed podcast is brought to you by iris.xyz, the most helpful place for advisors to come grow their minds and grow their businesses. Power your advice at iris.xyz. And we're here in Louisville with the CEO and founder of DPL, DPL, David Lau. Hi, David. Hey, Doug. How are you? I'm good. We're going to talk about some trends in the industry. You're an industry veteran and an entrepreneur, and you've done some really great things. So um, let's first talk about the commoditization of advice. What, what are you seeing happening out there with the advisors, and what are your, view, what are your views?
1: Well, you see commoditization happening all over the place. Uh, the financial advice industry grew up largely around doing that, advising around accumulation, around asset growth, about creating wealth. And that part of the business is being commoditized. It's being commoditized by technology. It's being commoditized by indexed investing finding alpha is, you know, no longer a game. It's really, let's get the market returns. Let's do it at the lowest costs. And, you know, let's keep costs down. And that's the best way to get performance for clients.
0: So is their value proposition changing or does it have to change?
1: The value proposition for an advisor has to change and, and you've seen that happening. So, you know, f- five years or so ago, you saw lots of advisors starting to expand into financial planning and creating a plan became, you know, a central part of creating financial of giving financial advice. And <laughs> offering that beyond just asset management became really critical. And, as advisors did that, they saw that clients actually really like financial plans. they like to have a plan, not just we 're going to accumulate as much money as we can, and then you 're going to live off of it in retirement. Uh, they really want a plan, but you see what you know how rapidly the industry is changing where five years ago you know offering planning was a new and differentiating thing, and it got adopted very quickly. Well, you saw just a couple months ago, Charles Schwab decides to offer financial planning through a certified financial professional, a CFP, uh, for $30 a month. And within five years from going from being a differentiation, it becomes commoditized.
0: So traditional sources of getting referrals from are not uh, referral sources you may want to go to anymore.
1: And that's also a big trend that's happening in the industry so particularly for RIAs so for RIAs their historic value proposition has been about managing money on fees and that was a differentiator also being a fiduciary acting in a client's best interest also a differentiator well today as you look at it uh, the whole advice world does that every wirehouse rep every broker dealer broker they all manage money on fees they all also you know act in a client's best interest you know reg bi just formalized that and so for rias who traditionally differentiated on those two value propositions those are gone uh they don't exist any longer as a point of differentiation uh and Historically, RIAs have never done insurance, or they haven't implemented it. You know, they do it through planning. They'll you know decide you know clients need different coverages or different products, but they've been comfortable letting outside referral sources you know handle the actual implementation of that business. Well, as you look at what's going on in the industry, those referral sources, the insurance agents at Northwestern Mutual, at Prudential, at Nationwide, at New York Life. They're CFPs, they're doing planning, they want to manage assets, they're giving retirement plans, they're not just issuing insurance products any longer. Everybody's getting into that game.
0: So is the RIA dead or are they gonna what's gonna have to change?
1: You already see a lot of the things you know happening. You know, one of the constant themes you see or hear, you know, talked about is fee compression. And while you know fees, and I think Bernie Clark was just talking about this. Um, is while you've seen fees stay reasonably steady, it's the expansion of services that's really you know, impacted the RAA. So while you might still be able to get your 100 basis points in in your management fee, it's not just about managing assets anymore. It's about providing much more holistic services for your clients. So that's a different way of seeing fee erosion. Uh, So while the RAA model is not dead and and far from it, you see a lot of people moving to independence, the traditional model of being solely an asset manager that's really what's, you know, highly threatened. The independent model is gaining more and more momentum as people look to, you know, leave their broker-dealer, get away from their wire house, you know, be able to operate their own businesses as they see fit, you know, to the benefit of their client.
0: So the RIA is changing. How are they supposed to become good at more things than they were just, than they were doing before? That's hard. So,
1: you know, the you have to, you know, find people who have expertise in different, you know, subject matters. You know, so banding together with other firms, you see a lot of consolidation of firms, uh, not only for scale but for additional expertise and manpower. Uh, you see outsourcing, you know, a lot more. You know, outsourcing not only to more robust technology partners but to other asset managers, outsourcing parts of their strategy and that's part of what we do at dpl and we'll get into that but uh you know providing some you know outsourced expertise to give broader ranges of services to those clients
0: so how do rias introduce insurance into their practices when they haven't done it before you know one of the ways you said was getting somebody who does that but is there are other ways to do that
1: So it's actually pretty tricky because lots of RIAs, you know, not only did they not do insurance, like products like annuities, they've bashed, you know, forever. Forever. And, you know, largely, you know, I think because it's been a conflict of interest, you know, it's you know, annuities represent and insurance represents lost revenue. So, I mean, you have to be a true hardcore fiduciary to say, yes, my client you know, needs an annuity and I'm going to take a million dollars out of my management uh, to put them into an income product that I can't get paid on any longer. Uh, that you know, That is a tough business choice to make and you have to be a real fiduciary. So introducing insurance can be a challenge because they've historically – Sold against it, said you don't need it, you can self insure to your clients. But the way to do it is introducing it as this is new and different. You know, insurance is not just commission-driven anymore. There's been, you know, a evolution in the insurance market where there are more and more fee-based products, you know, products with the commissions eliminated that are built for RIAs and fee-only advisors to use within their practice so that they can manage, you know, those assets, they can get paid on those assets. It eliminates the conflict and allows them to have, you know, a good story to their client. Sure, I could never do this before. It didn't make sense because of commissions. Didn't make sense for a couple of reasons. One, the commissions are a conflict of interest. And two, commissions drive up prices. So while I told you before, you maybe shouldn't have an annuity, you don't need this insurance coverage, that's because the prices were far different than the products available
0: today. So are these products and annuities the little known secret that's going to become a, a more known secret that they're going to have to do,
1: absolutely. So if you even follow more trends in regulation, the Secure Act, you know, which has been you know passed through the House, there's a version of it you know sitting in front of the Senate, you know, which can make annuities available through 401ks and really expand the, you know, the availability of annuities, you know, through retirement plans. So RAs really need to get more familiar with the products, uh, just from the regulatory environment. The other aspect is longevity continues to expand, particularly for, you know, healthier, wealthier, you know, individuals. There's, you know, Creating a financial plan used to be you'd plan for someone to live to 85 and you felt comfortable with that. You know, you're planning for a 20-year retirement. Now planning for a 30-, 35-, 40-year retirement is not out of the question and is frankly prudent. So how can you manage assets that might have to last somebody for 30 to 40 years uh, without using an annuity, which is a product specifically designed to help mitigate that longevity risk?
0: So so there might not be the big wealth transfer everybody's thinking about because people are going to live and spend all their money taking care of themselves.
1: It could be, uh, whether they like to or not, you know, maybe they need long-term care as they get, you know, as they get older. Uh, You know, they refer to it often as a retirement spending smile, you know, when, People retire early on. they're spending a lot of money, so happy to be retired. Let's go on all those trips that we never had time for. Uh, let's do the things that you know that that we always wanted to do. and there's you know often very you know higher spending earlier in retirement. You know as people get a little older, they've kind of gotten their yayas out, uh, they start spending a little less and kind of settle into more of a normal retired life. And then at, you know, towards the end of retirement, medical needs arise you know expenses then go up you know for things that you'd rather not spend money on but you have to spend money on to you know keep
0: and retain your quality of life so how does dpl fit into all these trends and and what have you built here so
1: DPL is, I think, fits into lots of different trends. So when you're building a business, you want to you know, not only make sure you think that you've got a good value proposition, you want to make sure that you're positioned you know, with tailwinds behind you and that you're building something that is in alignment with all of the trends going on in the industry. You don't want to make the, you know, the best candle making factory when somebody just invented the light bulb. So you need to you know, make sure that you've got the tailwinds behind you. So some of those trends I talked about earlier, you know, the commoditization of advice, the you know, homogenization of advisors, you know, where they all start looking the same and having the same value proposition. The fact that, you know, for RIAs, their traditional sources of referral for insurance for their clients are now competitors. They're they're not just providing, you know, insurance. The analogy I make is that You know, for an RIA, if you used to be a home builder who didn't build roofs and you had a superior method of building homes, and then you could refer the roof out to a roofer, that was fine for a long time. But now, guess what? Everybody's building the entire home and they're doing it the way you do it. And the roofer who used to just build roofs, they build the whole home too. So if you're the only one not building roofs uh, and everybody else is building homes in the same way, you've got a problem. So DPL is positioned to bring RIA's insurance uh, into their practice so that they can handle it within their own four walls. That enables them to control the client experience. They don't have to send their clients out to an insurance professional who they don't know what they might try to sell them. They can keep assets under, under their roof. They can retain assets that would have been going out to an an insurance provider. They can increase their revenue. And importantly, and I think maybe most importantly, is they can differentiate again. So RIAs differentiated early on by providing no-load mutual funds and lower-cost investment options. Now they can do it by providing lower-cost insurance options because the insurance products we bring to market are all commission-free. And that means the commission's been eliminated from the product, thereby dramatically changing the pricing. And that's from, you know, life insurance through annuities.
0: Where did you grow up?
1: I grew up in Great Falls, Virginia. And through high school? Through high school. So I was born in Jersey City, New Jersey. Uh, Spent very early days there and then spent most of my life, uh, in Northern Virginia.
0: Yep. Were there things along the way that you can remember that you gleaned onto that drove an entrepreneurial spirit, curiosity that has, has brought you to where, where this is today?
1: Um, I don't know about any certain things, maybe a little more personality uh, driven in that, you know, maybe I've got trouble with authority. I'm not sure. Um, like kind of being my own boss, I've always been a leader, mm-hmm. um, you know, just as a child throughout, you know, throughout my life, I've always been kind of a natural leader. I've always been somebody who has a lot of ideas. I'm, you know, pretty different thinker. Uh, and pretty creative thinker, and so I like to, you know, pursue my own ideas, and, you know, I'm I'm pretty thoughtful, so I have, you know, a lot of good ideas which I think are very well thought through and maybe a little too well thought through sometimes, uh, and that, I think, is really what's driven more of my entrepreneurial spirit, uh, more than, you know, some
0: influences, but just my general personality. So when you see your eighth grader going into a football coach for a job and he's asking all these questions that's you that's me um yes <laughs> so to tell that story
1: i you know my younger son when he was going into high school was never you know that much that involved in sports except for for the social aspects of it um got the opportunity to be the manager for this high school football team as he was a rising freshman and um i he wasn't sure he wanted to do it. I kind of convinced him to go ahead and you know, talk to the coach and just see what it was about. And you know, the coach being a typical high school football coach gave him a big rah-rah speech about so happy you're going to do this. And, you know, I was very proud of him. He pumped the brakes on the football coach, you know, as a 13 uh, year old and said, hold on, I've, I've got a few demands here before I'm willing to you know, commit to doing this. And uh, I was incredibly
0: proud of him. That's great. Um, so a lot, you, you know, you had corporate jobs like we all do, and then you decided to to leave that and, and form this. What made you think you could do that? I've been in a lot of
1: entrepreneurial companies, though not been the founder. Right. So you know, I've been in the environment quite a lot, and you know what? There are a lot of influences that wind up making you think you can do something. You know, maybe some people have the you know the one bright shining moment the you know the one thing that made him do it yeah you know, for me it was a lot of things and you know probably the biggest one though was realizing that in these entrepreneurial companies i've been in so one being a company called telebank which was the first internet bank in the country you know, i was the chief marketing officer there so i was you know responsible for driving the growth you know of the business and it was highly successful you know ended up being sold to etrade and then, you know, previous to this, I was at Jefferson National. I built out that company as the chief operating officer where I was in charge of pretty much everything outside of, you know, compliance and accounting. And so I knew I built everything there that, you know, became of value, mm-hmm. you know, in the company. So I I knew I, ha- you know, I had what it took to, and I had a very well-rounded background uh, in all kinds of different areas of, of, you know, a company so i I knew I could build something of value, and I knew I could do it you know on my own and uh just that realization of you know I'm the one who's building all the all the all the things of value in this company. I should have my own
0: right, so this is the permission to succeed podcast was there You said there wasn't a moment where you kind of looked in the mirror and said, "You know there's nobody coming I got to go do this." There's just a series of moments, and
1: there definitely yeah. So there was a series of moments, but there, you know, that kind of influenced it. But there was the one aha moment that is, was like, "I'm going to build DPL. I know exactly what this is going to be." And you know, my wife will tell you, it's literally late at night, lying in bed one one night. I'd been mulling, you know, wanting to you know build something, do something for a while, and it was it was literally in bed. I'm like, "I've got it." I know what I'm going to do. And that was the moment where it's, I'm going to go. you know, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to, and it wasn't a great time to do this. you know, uh, I had three kids about ready to go into college. Um, and so that's a little, a little bold, not maybe traditional, uh, to, you know, go off on your own, uh, you know, at that time. But I, but I, I saw all these reasons to do it. There were so many reasons in the marketplace, so much need for consumers, uh, for what we're doing, uh,
0: that it was just the light bulb went off and I just had to go do it. So when you, when you walk into this place, as Sarah and I did today, it's, it feels incredibly different than anything we've seen in financial services. Um, it's, it's a wonderful feeling. You, the people that are around here are incredibly helpful, but not only helpful, engaged. So what have you tried to create as far as an environment and the people that are supporting you?
1: Yeah, I appreciate that, and I I, I feel it every day too. Uh, I'm not here every day; I do a lot of traveling, but uh, it you know you definitely feel it. You feel the energy and you feel the momentum. Uh, it's and it, a lot of things again go into that. So one, it's you know choosing the right people, you know, and having the people who've got the passion and believe in your vision, uh, and you know believe in you. So while we've got you know a lot of pretty much everybody, and we've got almost thirty employees here now. Most of them have worked for me in the past, you know, going back, not just to my last job, but to the job before that and the job before that. Uh, so I've, you know, brought in people, you know, in terms of my management team that, you know, we haven't worked together in 20 years, but, you know, we've, we've remained in close contact. We've been friendly and we've got enormous respect for one another. Uh, you know, so I, you know, bring them in and they've got, you know, and they've got a lot of passion and belief in the vision. Uh, and then you And they come from outside the industry, which I think also, you know, adds some energy. You know, financial services can be stodgy, Uh, you know, bring in some, you know, creative people who can, you know, think differently. Uh, But part of the energy comes also from the way you treat people and, you know, treating people with transparency and treating people you know, like they're a part of it, you know, not that, you know, they're just here working for the company. But, you know, it's not just David Lau building something special. It's the whole team. You know, and everybody's got an important role. You know, from top to bottom, everybody's got an important role. You know, everybody interacts with the client. Everybody affects how DPL is perceived. And they should all feel that ownership and feel the reward of, the great things that we've been accomplishing, the great press we've been receiving, et cetera. And so I think having everybody bought into that and, you know, communicating with them and, and you know, appreciating them, I think, you know, really has a big impact on the demeanor of the, empl- you know, of, of employees when, when they're coming to work every day.
0: So what what has you excited about the industry and what has you, you know, the trends, we kind of are kind of gloomy. Oh, oh, oh. Is it a? Are you hopeful for this industry?
1: Very hopeful, and yeah, I'm really excited. Um, always really excited <laughs> about what we're doing because the, the thing for me that you know, energizes me about what I do—it's been throughout my career for 25 plus years in the financial services business—it's been about delivering consumer value. So in banking, the original notion behind the bank wasn't just let's be on the internet and that'll be cool. It's let's eliminate branches because they're expensive. If we eliminate branches, you can provide much better products, uh, you know, to you know, to clients. And you know that's not always easy but you know, finding those you know points of overhead you know within the financial services industry the expense of distribution and you know making it more efficient so clients can benefit you know that's very motivating and and, and exciting and i think um the, a big driver for what we're doing at DPL is I think annuities are really important products and they're very divisive products. And it's hard to get good information on annuities. You have, you know, the you know classic annuity salesman on one hand who annuities are a solution for everything. And then you've got, you know, some, you know, well-known prominent RIAs on the other hand who bash them and say, never ever an annuity. It never makes sense at any point in time. And neither one of those are in any way accurate. You know, the academic support for annuities is pretty much unanimous. Uh, The benefits they bring to retirees are terrific. Um, And I think with them being such an important product, I wanted to do something where, again, consumers could get value. The and have it introduced to them by a fiduciary. So you take away some of the big problems with annuities, the pricing and the fact that a salesman is the one bringing it to you. So can we do something that allows this important product for customers in retirement to get them at a fair, valued price and get them through a fiduciary? And I think that's incredibly important given you know, the state of the industry and the state of retirement and longevity for, you know, for clients. So, you know, I find it extremely motivating. And to lend a story to it, um, my father was, you know, looking to retire. I mean, he's been looking to retire for a number of years. Uh, My entire family, we just assumed he's a workaholic, which he you know probably was, you know, for a long time. Um, And he kept saying he was going to retire, kept saying he was going to retire and never did it. And so finally, he was saying, you know, about a year ago that he was going to retire at the end of the year last year. And I'm like, really, this time, Dad, are you really doing it? Um, and he's like, I think so. But, you know, I'm just a little unsure about my retirement plan. You know, I'd, he'd been with a, an RAA that I'd referred him to years ago. He's like, I just don't feel great about the plan. It seems like a lot of principles rather than plans. Uh, you know, here's how we're going to withdraw your money. And here, you know, we're going to try to, you know, do tax-efficient withdrawals. And, you know, we're going to sell, you know, you know, sell uh, stocks that have, you know, had gains at the right times and losses at the right times. And, you know, the, your bonds aren't going to fund your spending need, but, you know, we're going to have a total return strategy. And he's like, this doesn't sound like much of a plan. Uh, So I said, dad, you know what I do? I I work with a product that does exactly that. So let us show you some annuities uh, and let's talk about that. And we did that. We introduced him to another RIA who was, you know, happy and comfortable with annuities, gave him a plan that included an annuity and he retired. Um, So, you know, it becomes, you know, also, you know, very personal.
0: Well, being one that's trying to change the industry in a positive way and there's other entrepreneurs out there that are thinking of doing the same thing and maybe stuck is, is there any advice that you can give to these people to come in here and and change it up oh lots of advice one just do it
1: you know just you know take the step and do it have confidence in yourself you know you you've got you've got skill you've got experience <laughs> you know take the step and do it um, and the other thing that i you know hear from some younger entrepreneurs that I've spoken to uh, recently is, is somewhat, you know, a worry about raising money, you know, bringing in investors, things like that, you know, wanting to control what you're, you know, what you're doing and controlling your world. If you've got a great idea, go raise money, give up some of the control, you know, hit the gas pedal, go, you know, go do it. Um, you know, don't worry about the, about the control. Those things will play themselves out, you know, build
0: your company, realize your vision, Uh, and, you know, go for it. Great. So if people want to find you, how can they find DPL rather than driving down here and... seeing the beautiful scenery in your offices. You can always
1: come to Louisville for sure. Um, and, you know, the beginning of May is a really popular time around the first Saturday. Uh, there's a, some big event that goes on here. Um, so that's a great time. Bourbon Country, you can also come, you know, taste some bourbon. Uh, but you can find us at DPL fp.com is the best way to go, you know, check us out, you know, look at our website, a highly educational driven website, you know, about all kinds of insurance products and about, you know, what we do here.
0: Great. Um, It's been a pleasure talking to you. I learned a lot and I think our our listeners are going to learn a lot too. So thank you for having us. Thanks, Doug. Uh, For everybody um, at iris.xyz and the permission to seed production team come to Louisville. Um, this is Doug Heikkinen. Thank you so much for joining us. The Permission to Succeed podcast is brought to you by Thompson IM Funds Inc. For more information about Thompson IM Funds, please visit ThompsonIM.com. Thompson IM Funds: Smart Investing Starts Here.